Hey everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast, where we cover the full spread of food and beverage industry topics. My name is Bianca, PR and marketing professional by day and food and wine connoisseur by night. And my name is Nick, an accountant with a passion for barbecue, beer, and whiskey. Today, we welcome Natalie Milarini, home cocktail artist and the author of Beautiful Booze. In this episode, Natalie takes us on her travels and toasts around the world, shares her number one tip for making your cocktails at home, and chats with us about cognac, whiskey, and other not-to-miss spirits that bring cocktails to life. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. With that said, let's welcome Natalie to the show. Welcome, Natalie, to the show. We are so excited to have you. Um, if we can have you start just by introducing yourself and kind of giving us a little bit of background. I know you have a pretty interesting background on how you got involved in the industry and kind of in- what made you write this book. Yeah, so um, my name is Natalie. I run an account mainly on Instagram called Beautiful Booze, but it started out as a blog website about seven years ago. I was living in Seattle. I was actually, um, my previous job was working at a university in public health. So this is a big switch for me into the alcohol industry. I was having dinner parties and sharing recipes with friends and always doing some kind of signature cocktail. And originally, when I got laid off, I felt like doing something creative, but I wasn't sure how long it was going to take me to get another job. So I just started putting up cocktail recipes and using a pretty much a, a kit, like a camera kit I got at Costco mm-hmm. trying to teach myself how to take cocktail photos and a lot of the reason I not reason I started but where I got the inspiration is I was on Instagram and stuff and I saw a lot of food bloggers that weren't necessarily chefs putting out gorgeous photos and recipes and I just didn't see anyone doing this for cocktails and I felt like at that time um, as a home bartender there was no one really giving that those cocktail recipes so I decided I was going to do it and seven years later which I never thought it would be um I'm here you know (laughs) making cocktails at and photographing them for a living which still blows my mind a little bit so that's the that's the gist that's the short story that's kind of uh the gist of where I got here. But um, with the book, you know, I'd had several publishers reach out to me over, you know, the last five years. And a lot of them specifically wanted me to do a subject like a brunch book or something like that. And then um, the people from Countryman Press who published this book reached out and I told them, I was very interested in writing a beautiful booze book and they pretty much gave me total freedom on this book. So I felt like it was the right time 
to write the book, but when I was writing it a year ago, I didn't realize that we were going to be in the situation that we are. So um, even though a lot of people are making cocktails at home, I think it's been a little bit of a, a boundary for me to be able to not travel and take this book around with me. But um, super excited that it's been out for, you know, almost two months. And I will say you and the publisher did a great job. Beautiful Booze is a beautiful book. It looks great. It has a really nice finish to the cover and everything. It's definitely one that you could keep on your home, your bar cart or wherever as a reference guide and display it proudly because it looks so nice. Now, I know after reading a little bit of the intro and everything, you didn't do this alone. You have a partner as well. How did you two meet and how did you decide to kind of do this together? Yeah, so James and I partnered on this book. We did, we shot every single photo in this book. Um, the cover, I shot the cover. Um, and it's, it blows my mind that we, we executed, we did all the photos when we were in New Orleans in six weeks because we are nomadic not right now, but usually for the past five years, we have not had a home. So we stayed at a apartment we rented for six weeks in New Orleans and photographed this entire book. So the photographs would be consistent. But James is Australian. I met him hmm, like about six years ago. I was living in Seattle. He was living in Vancouver, Canada which is only about three hours north of here. And I'm in Seattle at the moment. And um, he was a bartender and we just started hanging out. And then his visa was up in Canada and he said that he was traveling to Central and South America. And I was in a place trying to grow beautiful booze and Seattle was super expensive. So essentially, I sold everything I owned and packed a carry-on, and we started traveling the world five years ago, and what I thought would be something I would do for six months turned into five years of living out of a suitcase. I really, I really don't know how I did it after having to stay in Seattle for the last seven months and not leaving to constantly be moving from hotel to Airbnb to wherever and still working full time. I don't, I think that we were just insane or something. <laughs> and you must have and, to back late too. <laughs> and you've, so you have traveled around quite a bit uh, looking at your page and you've been all over the place. Of all the places that you've been, I mean, you must be a harsh critic of other cocktails just because you make them on your own. They look incredible. They taste incredible. Um, I've gotten to make one of my, one of my own so far. And I, I can't even imagine being able to go somewhere and order a cocktail and thinking of it the same. How, like of all the places that you've been, is there one place where they really stood out to you? Yeah. So the thing with me is um, since I'm a home bartender, I, have really tried to keep the mission of beautiful booze, um, cocktails that you can make at home. Although there is a chapter in the book that's called Beyond Your Bar Cart, which uses some 
other spirits if you want to expand your bar cart. But so I honestly feel like when I go to a bar, it's a bit of indulgence because most of the time I'm ordering cocktails that have insane ingredients and stuff I just wouldn't have at home. So I feel like that's a big luxury. But I will tell you that um, places like Singapore and Japan um, really take bartending next level. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Like in Japan, the perfectionism is an experience. Um, watching a bartender make a cocktail there, watching them shake a cocktail, watching them mix a cocktail, it it just blows my mind. It's it's unlike anywhere else. I mean, they train, I think, like two years just to make perfect ice. And then they <laughs> expand from there. So when you have a cocktail in Japan, everything is the best of the best. Um, so I, I really enjoy that experience. Um, places like Singapore are really innovative. Um, I did an Asia bar crawl right before COVID and went to Taipei, which I'd never been to before. And they have a lot of bars that had just recently opened. I went to one that was <laughs> a space bar and it sounds like a gimmick, but they had very upscale craft cocktails that were space cocktails. So that was really interesting and fun and cool and just, the whole experience is like better than the next. Now, when you go to these places, do you always look at a cocktail menu or bar menu, for example, and choose one? Or do you ever just give the bartender kind of free reign and it surprise me, bring me something fun? I usually like the bartender to make me something, but I did get on this kick and uh, I talk a little bit about it in the book. Um, my one well my favorite cocktail and i used to not say this but now i'll say this is the daiquiri because i like how it's so simple and when you take a good rum and lime and sugar and mix that all together i really like the citrus notes so i was doing this thing when i ran around the world asking bartenders to make me essentially a destination daiquiri so when i was in spain using something some kind of ingredient that is local to them. So when I was in Spain, the bartender made me a daiquiri with sherry and that um, daiquiri version is in the book. Um, and that was really good. In Czech Republic, they made me a really interesting one. Um, so I, I tend to ask for something special, <laughs> although, um, in certain bars, like in Singapore, there's just an insane bar called Atlas and they specialize in gin and they have like the Atlas martini where they make it with champagne vinegar. So when cocktail bars have these specific signature cocktails, I do like trying those as well. Yep. And it's definitely good to do kind of get what they're mastered at because they know it's going to be a home run every time. And I know with that whole culture, I've heard the same thing with the rest of it too, obviously with cars and automobiles and manufacturing, it's always about the perfection. I know I've heard a similar thing that you were mentioned with that uh, sushi. Uh, when people make sushi, they train for 10 years or something just on the rice before they even touch fish. 
So they really do have the perfection down over in that culture. Yeah, I mean, if you just go to like the grocery store there or the liquor store, you literally can just buy bags of crystal clear ice cubes, which is like a novelty here in the US and high-end bars use it and you can make it at home. It's it's easy, but you need to have a huge fridge, but that's just like the standard there. And when you order cocktails, I mean, they're carving. I, I, literally, <laughs> I literally got a drink in Kyoto that had a rosebud ice cube. Like it's just some of the stuff that's standard over there is just like insane to me. And in your, so in your book, you have a really cool section on entertaining at home and kind of being beyond your bar cart, but while you have people, things that you can kind of do. And I, that was one of the ones that I found um, the most fun because I'm always making like charcuterie boards and trying to host people and doing right. all sorts of fun stuff. So what are some of your tips for the entertainer at hosting at home? Well, I think right now it's an interesting time because of COVID and we're coming up on the holidays. But one thing that... Um, I specifically like even if there's only like two one other person or like two other people I think it's fun to do some batched cocktails which would be any type of they tend to be booze forward cocktails any type any type of cocktail that you would stir meaning the cocktail does not have juice in it so this wouldn't be like your daiquiris, but this would be like your Manhattans or your old fashions or your Negronis, cocktails that you would stir each time. Well, these cocktails, you can batch them ahead of time and just add around three quarters of an ounce of chilled water to each serving. And that's about how much when you're stirring the cocktail, the ice dilutes the cocktail. So I think that's really fun to batch those cocktails. So when everyone's hanging out, you're not stirring a cocktail the whole time. You can just pour them over ice and everything's done ahead of time. So like with the Negroni, it would be just stirring the three ingredients together with a little bit of water. And you can batch three or four or five or six servings of those into a bottle and just, you know, just drink them right along without having to think about making them. And you could do like Manhattans or Old Fashions, the same technique. How far ahead of time would you typically uh, batch those just right before, right at the beginning of the party? Or do you ever do bigger batches, like maybe make a gallon of something and store it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can definitely, because it's alcohol and it doesn't have juice, it's not going to go bad. So you can make it how as far ahead of time as you want. I mean, there's a lot of people that will do this and they put it in, they actually age it. They'll put it in, you can get these little barrels and you can do like your own like barrel aged old fashioned or barrel aged Negroni. I haven't gotten that deep because I keep my stuff simplistic. And since I um, normally travel on the road, I just can't do stuff like that. But you could definitely batch these a day ahead of time and you should be fine. Now, I know you mentioned earlier daiquiri is one of your go-to cocktails. If you had to pick a favorite, one spirit, 
and that's the only one you can have for the rest of your life, which one would it be? You can do cocktails and everything with it, but one spirit. That is the that is very difficult for me um, because I am into situational drinking, which is like in different situations, like everything tastes good. <laughs> but um, oh my god, I I so I really have a soft spot for agave spirits. Can I say that? agave spirits um which would include tequila and mezcal i really appreciate them i've been to mexico a lot of times to see how they're produced i love the taste i love it neat i love it in cocktails i just i love everything about the profile of agave spirits i mean it's hard for me to like i said i i spent two months in japan last year so like have drinking Japanese whiskey is just insane and that's a favorite of mine too I'm a lover of all the spirits but I really love the versatility and the notes and the flavors of agave spirits uh here's a question I'm a huge whiskey guy but typically (laughs) bourbon rye and scotch are what I go with I haven't tried a Japanese whiskey yet which one would I be able to find just at a, you know, typical liquor store or something that you would recommend? Okay. Um, I, so my entire apartment is basically full of alcohol that I've been sent. So I don't do a ton of shopping, but actually I'm going to the liquor store after this. Um, so it's, so that's the thing. Some of my favorite ones that I had in Japan are obviously not available in the U.S. because it's such limited quality. But um, I mean, I think anything you can find at the liquor store, you can't go wrong with Japanese whiskey. I've never had anything that I'm like, this is bad. So like any of your like Nika, um, see a lot of the stuff I want to recommend but I <laughs> I know it's not available but you know Japanese a lot of the Japanese whiskey is very similar to scotch whiskey so you know it's in that same flavor category but like your Hibiki if you can find some, find one of those bottles like I would definitely go for that. I'm just not even sure what's available in the United States because I'm so disconnected. And I'm in Seattle and I haven't actually bought any Japanese whiskey because I overdid it when I was there. But I'm not sure what they carry in the U.S. And in the West Coast, you probably even have more options than we have over here on the East Coast too because I'm sure a bunch makes it to you, but even fewer probably makes it all the way over here. Yeah, I mean, there Suntory um, has a lot of really great Japanese whiskeys, if you can find them. Even some of the ones that aren't just the sipping ones make really good high make really good highballs. And I think the that's one thing about whiskey that I think is not huge in the U.S., which is huge in other places is the whiskey highball, just like in the summer, or if you want something for happy hour that's refreshing. I just think those highballs are so delicious. 
if you don't want to go just like straight whiskey, I think it's like an, something that people don't think about. They think about having like an old fashioned, but they don't think about having like a long serve of like a, a Japanese highball. And when you have one of those, it's just, you're just like, this is so delicious. I can't believe I've never made one of these at home. It's literally two ingredients. And that's a good point because I'm a huge whiskey guy and I've had those before when I've been at Japanese restaurants or on cruise yeah. or wherever, but I've never made one at home and I make old fashions and other, you know, whiskey cocktails up, but that's one that just never crosses my mind, but definitely one that I'm going to have to start doing more often because it is delicious when I do have it. Yeah. So I, with that recommendation, I would say anything that you find is probably going to be good. Obviously like the lower shelf options are really great for highballs or, or mixed drinks or cocktails, but um, you know, any top shelf stuff is going to be really good if you can find anything. So you use a lot of citrus and a lot of like citrusy fruity notes in your cocktails and they're so colorful and so much fun, uh, which is, you know, your, your social media page alone, it's just so vibrant and, and exciting to follow. Uh, for everybody who is listening, who is like unsure of using, you know, cocktail, like citrus nut cocktails and things like that, how do you recommend they kind of go about starting to make cocktails at home and what should they have as their like number one essential? Yeah, I would say as, um, when COVID first started out, it became very apparent to me that trying to make cocktails and this is how I started beautiful booze but presenting more cocktails that were three ingredients where simplicity is key and a lot of the classic cocktails are classics for a reason because people drink them and drink them and drink them years 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 because they're good they they <laughs> it's a it's a good equation and I think for me, the number one, I'm a big fan of sours. Like I said, I like the citrus forward profile. I like the freshness. I like the tang. So I think it is, if you don't do one thing but this when you make cocktails, it will help you out is using fresh citrus. And it's literally not that expensive. Um, you can upgrade your cocktails just by using fresh citrus. And I, I don't know what I was doing before I started Beautiful Booze, but I had this aha moment when I made a fresh margarita with fresh lime juice. I guess I was using a mix or just the bottled citrus at the store, which tastes nothing like the real citrus. And I don't know what happened. I made it. And then I took one of the limes that I cut in half and I smelled it. And this seems so like hippie-ish or whatever, but I was like, oh my God, this lime has like flavor notes of coconut and all of these things. And, I, and it blew my mind. And I was like, I can't believe I wasn't using this before, but I don't know. I think the fresh citrus is so awesome. And what I've been trying to do during quarantine is be more sustainable with that. So when I'm making a citrus cocktail, whether I'm using grapefruit, lemon, lime, oranges, I try to peel off the citrus peels and use them as garnishes. Um, 
just to try to use every single part of that citrus. And, you know, sometimes I forget, I cut the lemon or the lime in half, and then I can't, it's much harder to peel the stuff off. But if you do do that, then you're able to be a little bit more sustainable and use um, the citrus peels have so much oil in them. So using them to express the oils of your cocktails or using them as a garnish is a great tip. So that's pretty much my number one tip for making cocktails is using fresh citrus, citrus juice. It is seriously a game changer. And the first cocktail that I made from your book that I have in front of me, which is now kind of blended, but I made the frolicking in the fields. And the reason I made it was because that's the only one I have the ingredients for right now. I have not stocked my farm. <laughs> um, but it, I made it with a, a freshly squeezed lemon and it's really, really good. But I love pretty much anything sour. Uh, Nick knows I love sour beers, sour candy, sour everything. Um, this in the book, it says it's your take on the New York sour. So yeah. do you have a lot of options for sour lovers in the book? Yeah, so I'm obsessed with sours, obviously. And there's a whole chapter devoted to sours. And with the New York sour, I really love it. The original recipe, I believe, calls for rye, which if you know, if you if you drink rye, you know it's it's it has a very spicy kind of notes to rye. And I mean, I really love rye, but I feel like when I use cognac, it's so delicate. I've been to cognac and I can't believe they take like a hundred eau de vies, thousands of eau de vies, blend them together to make a product. It's, it's, a, it's a very special product. To me, it's a very delicate product. And I don't know. I think because it comes from grapes and then the wine comes from grapes, it's just the, the balance is there. And I do love a good New York sour, but all of these sour recipes as well, you can, you know, typically a New York sour has an egg white in it. And for this one, it doesn't for the frolicking in the fields, but a lot of them in the chapter do have egg whites, but all of these cocktails are really good without the egg white. It's just a personal preference. So um, yeah, I, I just, one of my favorite things to do is to take classic cocktails and reinvent them and kind of think about, take my travels into consideration and think about different flavors where I twist up the ingredients and come out with something similar, but um, something a little bit different. So another thing that I read in your book was you kind of vary in what you'll use for cognacs since we're talking about it, everything from VS all the way to the XOs. How do you navigate that as someone that isn't really familiar with con uh, cognacs or hasn't bought in a lot of different ones? Um, how do you choose based on which cocktails you're making, for example, if you're just going to have it straight? Where do you go in that line on the grade of it and maybe some typical brands that you might gravitate towards? Yes, yeah, so I think that cognac is something that people are intimidated by. It, um, I know before I started Beautiful Booze, I was very, I, I never had a bottle of um, cognac. i from North Carolina. I grew up on bourbon. I started this <laughs> blog using just bourbon bottles I had to make cocktails. I never, I, I, before I started this, I don't even think 
I'd had cognac before. Um, I just, it's intimidating. You, you have no idea <laughs> when you walk into a liquor store, there's so many brands. Yes, it can be expensive. You don't know what to get. La, 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 la. Um, so for me, I, I try to, when I go to different places and I'm tasting cognac or tequila or whatever it may be coming from like um not like a bartender perspective but somebody who knows nothing <laughs> i try to think of it and use that perspective when it comes to explaining stuff to people or using it in cocktails where it doesn't have to be that pretentious and it doesn't have to be complicated and for me, you know, a lot, when you go to cognac, a lot of producers and stuff will make cocktails with VS. Um, VS is kind of the starting point for cognac. I, I particularly like VSOP um, for, for cocktails because I think it adds some more notes. And then XO, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily recommend using XO for a cocktail. I think it's just so many like special things about it that I think it's best for sipping. But obviously if you, you can make a cocktail with literally whatever you like or whatever you want. I just wouldn't recommend it. I think it's going to get lost in a cocktail. All of those flavors that you want to get from an XO are kind of going to be covered. So I think when you take something a little less delicate, like a VS or a VSOP in a cocktail, you're really going to elevate that liquid and use corresponding flavors in the cocktail to really bring out those notes so that you can taste the cognac but you also have a well-rounded balanced cocktail. So for people thinking about making like cognac cocktails at home, I would specifically um, recommend making classic cocktails like the sidecar because these classic cocktails that were originally made with cognac have been tried over and over and over again. And they have been made over and over and over again by bartenders. And the profile in these cocktails specifically fit with cognac. And for example, people love, and I love a French 75, which if you go to a bar today, not every single bar, so people don't quote me, um, they will make a more modern take on a French 75 using gin but a lot of the classic cocktails that were made with that are made with gin now were originally made with cognac so the french 75 was made with cognac so if you go to the french 75 bar in new orleans you can get that french 75 with cognac and i think when you take cognac and you add some lemon juice and you add some sugar and then you top it with champagne it's very similar to the frolicking in the fields, not, not identical, but you're taking the same ingredients, just presenting it in a different way. I think the outcome is really great because these, these cocktails have been made for years and years and years. So um, I would just start and just pick out a bottle of 
VS or VSOP and just kind of work your way through some of those classic cocktails. And you also mentioned in there, you have a lot of experience with bourbon. What's your favorite bourbon? Oh my God. It's very difficult to, um, to pick favorites. It's, uh, it's very hard for me to do that. I do always have Maker's Mark. I think it's a versatile bourbon for cocktails or sipping. And that's what I've been really trying to tell people. Like, for example, even with the cognac, if you get, if you can't afford to do it, like getting a VSOP because like, it's going to be really great in cocktails, but then you can also sip it. So trying to think about if you can invest in those spirits that you can sip and make cocktails, I think it's great. That's what I, that's actually what I try to do because honestly, you want to have a great finished product. You want to have a versatile spirit. And I think it's the same for me. It's the same as wine when they say, you should cook with the wine that you would drink. You should also make a cocktail with a spirit that you would drink because back in the day, origin originally cocktails were made to cover up the nasty stuff that they made, <laughs> the nasty spirits. But now we have access to high quality spirits. So if you have the means, it's all, I think it's always great to invest the couple extra five, $10 to get that quality spirit that, you know, you would drink straight and it's just going to also be great in a cocktail. So, you know, I think Maker's Mark is, is a, is a good one. I mean, I, 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 I'm looking at my bar. I just, it's hard for me to go super start naming brands because I, I like everything about a lot of different ones for different reasons. Um, so that's kind of my thing in terms of, of cognac. A lot of the stuff that I've tasted in cognac isn't necessarily available over here, like my favorites, but you know, some of the, the um, name brand, cognacs like your Martell or your Hennessy have really great products. And you got started on social media. So having been on social for so long, what are your favorite beverage brands to follow? Taste aside. Oh my God. I, it's, it, that's, that's definitely um, a hard one too, because I probably follow everyone to see <laughs> what they're doing. You know what? It, for me, it's kind of interesting to see what liqueur brands do because they're not base spirits. So it's interesting to see the kind of cocktails and the content that they do, you know, like um, your Aperols or your Campari, you know, these are all in classic cocktails, but do they stick to doing the Aperol spritz and all their content or do they go and try to put it in different cocktails? And I think for the most part, a lot of these brands do a lot of the classic stuff, but 
you know, in my book, I've put, I've taken Aperol and put in a margarita. <laughs> it's also interesting to see what obviously wine and champagne and sparkling wine brands do as well, because you have this one product. Do you just market it plain or do you do cocktails? And you see people doing stuff all over the board. And one last question for you. Where can everyone find your book? So um, I have a link in my Instagram or on my website, which is Beautiful Booze. The website's www.beautifulbooze.com. Um, it's basically everywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, independent bookstores. I haven't actually seen it in person on the shelf anywhere, but if you google it there's a lot of places that carry it now that were a couple months out Great. where can our listeners find you online and on social so on instagram it's at beautiful booze facebook twitter at beautiful booze my website again is www.beautifulbooze.com so seven years ago i was able to secure all <laughs> beautiful booze across the whole um sector and for awesome. everyone who's listening, who is interested in the book, it will be linked in the podcast description. So you guys can grab it for yourselves. Awesome. So, well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. We had such a great time. I can't wait to get in and try some more of these cocktails tonight. My cocktail of choice was water, but that won't stop me. I will be getting in to a lot more of them. So thanks again. Cheers. Cheers. Yes, thanks for having me. Cheers. Sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.